we're in the middle of our missions emphasis month, and we've been really encouraged and blessed to hear from our home missions and foreign missions, which has been Glory Reigns, and then Sarah, who's going to be going to Romania, and just to see their heart for the mission. We're, we're talking about missions here, there, and everywhere, and the everywhere is our part. It, it's us stepping up to the plate and understanding that we are missionaries, regardless if we comprehend that in its fullness. We're missionaries. We have a responsibility. Some missionaries may not be able to go on a foreign field, but they're able to give financially. Or they could give right here of their time, talent, and their treasures, which are their finances. We're on part three of our mission series. The first part of our mission series, we looked at the method of missions. How do we do it? We looked at Jesus Christ because he has the greatest example of how to fulfill the mission work. And uh, specifically when he was having his one-on-one -on -one with the woman of Samaria. We don't even know her name. I wish we did. It would be really interesting to know her name. But it, we, we saw how Jesus worked in her life by giving her the gospel and how he did that in an intimate way and how we can learn from that as believers and, and use his method and, and give the gospel. That's the method of missions. And then the next week, which was last week, we looked at the message of missions. And, and what is the message? And do you know how to give the message of missions? It's the gospel. And for some, it seemed a little bit elementary because you're, you've been in church for so long. But for others, it's brand new. This concept of giving the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it, 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 it almost was a new world for you because you just never done that. And to use your story as a believer to tell others about Jesus Christ is such a huge opportunity. But today, we close out our, our, our missions with this topic, and we're talking about uh, the means of missions. In other words, according to the Bible, what is the means of missions? What does it take to fulfill the mission? What do we need to accomplish uh, the mission, to reach people here, there, and everywhere? Uh, what, does it, what does it take when it comes to me and you, what's the resources necessary to accomplish this? And so I'm going to answer that question with one word, okay? And that one word is you. You say, oh, Dave, come on. That's too simple. It is. It's you. It's you because you are part of the body of Christ. You say, well, I don't understand that whole concept. Well, let me make sure you do. All right. According to the writings of Paul, we know the letters to the church that he wrote emphasizing and explaining your role within the church and my role as believers. We're all part, symbolically speaking, of the body. We all have a part to play. And if we're not doing our part, then the job's not going to be done. And what is the job? It's to fulfill the mission. I cannot stand when I am trying to accomplish a job and part of my body doesn't want to accomplish the job. You know, I guess something's wrong with my leg or my arm is just messed up. I was, um, something I despised doing. Last year, I was getting all the leaves out of my yard and I, I'd get so angry. So I, I'd rake and rake and rake and rake and, and then I'd mow and blow them all into the center. And then a friend of mine let me use this, big, this huge vacuum, right, to vacuum up all the leaves and haul them away. And I, I'm telling you, I... If you can lose your salvation, I almost did because I was so angry. Because I mean, the, the, the tube kept on getting plugged up, right? And so I'm hitting the side of the tube as hard as I can. Now watch. I'm hitting it hard, right? You see where my hand's going? I stubbed my finger so bad that it changed my finger for life, my ring finger. I cannot put a ring on this finger since that day. That was a year ago. And it took about eight months for the pain to go away. 
you know. And, and what I've learned very quickly, this hand was no use to me while I was trying to accomplish the task because this hand has this finger and it would be inappropriate for me to show you the exact finger because that finger wasn't operating. And I was so frustrated. I couldn't even put a glove on. I couldn't fulfill the task. I know, it's silly, right? The point is simply this. You're part of the body of Christ. Come on, shame on you if you're the hand, you're the foot, you're the leg, you're the arm, and everybody's working to get the mission done. You ain't doing nothing except just laying there. Y'all follow me? You're like, oh, well, we're just going to gonna, we're gonna hit the ground wrong, running. Glory to God. We're going to reach Dublin for Jesus. We're going to support missionaries. We're going to do great things for Jesus. And you're just sitting there. You say, well, I don't give. I don't, I, don't, I don't participate. My time, my talent, my treasures. Well, there's plenty of people. No, there's not. No, we're all in this together. Y'all follow me? We're all working together. This seems so simplistic. But the problem is, is some of the most simplistic things in life can really change the world. Really, seriously. But we just take it as if it's not that big of a deal. For instance, flossing. Imagine that. You can prevent yourself from getting gum disease just by taking two minutes of your time every single morning and flossing. Imagine why we don't do that. Because it pricks my gums. I just can't. Take the time. I, I talked to a teenager that we were at when I was a youth pastor and I asked him if he brushed his teeth because I could tell he did not brush his teeth at camp. We were at camp. Y'all know how it is a week at camp in the boys' cabin? It's like, you know what you're going to do for the rest of us if you'll just take those two minutes to brush your nasty teeth? It's going to make everybody happy. There's little things in life if we do, though we think they're little, make a huge difference. Y'all following me? Huge difference. And when we talk about missions and our part in what, 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 what our role is in missions, it's a big deal. It is your time, your talent, and your treasures. In, in that part of your body or that body part that you play in the, in the church, in the body of Christ, it matters. And so let me explain how it works. As the body of Christ, you know we're working together to fulfill the mission. And the mission works uh, in a very specific way. It's sowing and it's reaping. And that's interesting to me because Scripture doesn't use a military analogy. It doesn't use a business analogy. It uses a farming analogy to describe the mission and how we do it. I love it, even though I'm not a missionary. I mean, excuse me, not a farmer. I, I still love it because I do understand the simplicity of it. And so when we look at Jesus in John chapter 4 and verse 35, we see that come to life when he was explaining to his disciples, and we, we studied this about two weeks ago, when he was explaining to his disciples that we have a very big responsibility when it comes to the harvest. And the responsibility starts here, right now, in John chapter 4 and verse 35. And he, he said this, Say not ye therefore uh, are, are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. It's that analogy that he uses of the farmer. He said, I'm telling you right now, the job has been done. The woman just sowed the seed and told those within the city about who I am. And now they're coming our way. The job and the responsibility to give them the truth, to give them the gospel is now upon us. And then again, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 through 38, Jesus expresses the urgency and the need of missions. And he parallels it with farming. And so, but when he, when he saw the multitude, Jesus looking over the multitude of people, 
He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the harvest. Harvesting doesn't happen by chance. Y'all realize that, right? It starts with sowing. Both of them take work, right? You, you got to get out there and get the work by sowing the seed, but then you see the fruit of your labor by going out and getting the harvest. Y'all follow me? And that's the way it works when it comes to missions. Jesus gives this beautiful illustration that when it comes to the souls of men, people are sowing the, the gospel and we're reaping the fruit by coming alongside of those people and give, giving them truth, as I said last week. And then through that, people are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the harvest. But it goes further than that. It goes a lot further because we see that there's a principle when it comes to the financial aspect of, of, of the mission. It's not just the gospel aspect. Now watch this. Just as there's natural laws, there's also spiritual laws. Let me explain. Rules that God has set in motion by which uh, we, we live life, we look at life, we understand life. And, and, and one of those rules is the rule of, of, of law of sowing and reaping. Y'all familiar with this? I'm getting somewhere. All right, hold on. So you have that moral sowing. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 8, He that soweth to the flesh uh, of the flesh shall reap corruption. But then it goes on to say, But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So you reap what you sow. You sow. If you're horrible to people, they're going to be horrible to you. If you're not investing properly with your life, you're going to get those results. And this is not karma. This is reality according to God's word. And then, then you have this uh, law of sowing and reaping when it comes to the gospel sowing. What we talked about last week, giving the gospel, giving truth. And when we give the truth, the word of God will not return void. They may not come to know Jesus Christ, but that seed will be planted and they will think on that truth. And in some shape, form, or fashion, it will change their life. It may not turn them over to this understanding and the fullness of, of accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord's Savior, but they'll understand who Jesus is because of the truth he gave. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, we talked about this last week again, I have planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos is watered and God gave the increase. That's the sowing and reaping of the gospel. But today it's a little different, okay? This gets sensitive. Everybody gets a little nervous when we talk about money. But you got to. We always have to talk about money. It's part of life, right? There's that financial sowing. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 8, where Paul's addressing the church. And he explains to the church, if you're sowing sparingly, then you'll reap sparingly. But he that soweth bountifully will reap bountifully. And this is specifically talking about using your, your resources, the means for the mission. And so that's where I want to focus. So if you could stay with me, I think you'll understand before you make a commitment exactly why your commitment is so important when it comes to faith promise. Now, faith promise is a, these are like church terms. For some people, you may not understand what that means. Faith promise means you're going to step out by faith to give of your resources back to God and, and make that commitment, make that promise to him to see some results happen. You, some people step out by faith 
in a personal way that's nothing to do with finances. It's just of their, their time and their talents. You know, Say, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can run a camera. I don't know if I can run a soundboard. I don't know if I can do slides. But I'm going to step out by faith and commit, commit myself to this, and I'll do my very best. Some of you have helped plant Thrive Church, and you were like, I'm not a church planner, but I'm willing to step out by faith to leave my, my home church to do and to fulfill this job, and I'm going to use my means, which is my time and my talent. But it goes further than that. There's those treasures that are involved. And so we're going to look at the writings of Paul and better understand what he's saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. And so let me read it with you, okay? The Bible says, and let me, let me lay the groundwork first, because it, it helps if you know what's going on here. Paul is writing a letter to the church of Corinth. There's a problem in Jerusalem. This is really unique. There's a financial situation that's affecting all of Judea, all of Jerusalem, and specifically the church. And so Jerusalem's been that, they're like the sending church. They're the home church, right? They're the Jewish people. They're the God, God's chosen people. And they've helped all these little church plants for, financially over and over again. But now the script is flipped. And so the, these, these uh, folks in uh, Corinthians are in are, are need to help the church of Jerusalem, right? Um, this is interesting because these are Gentiles. And the Gentiles were not really considered prominent people within the, 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 the believers, you know. And uh, the Jews did, didn't look at them so favorably, but God used Paul to do some great work with them. And so Paul's writing to the church of Corinth and says, listen, we got a problem and we need your help, okay? You need to step up to the plate, it's kind of like a fundraiser, and give back just as they've given to you when you, when they, when you were in need. They're in need. And we need to step up and give back to the church. And so that's what's going on here. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, but this I say, and starting in verse 6, but this I say, being Paul, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And then verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him, what's the word there? Y'all help me. Can you say it like you actually meant it? What's the word? Give. It's give. We don't like to give. But it's a part of life. It's an important part of life, especially as believers. To give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loveth a cheerful giver. And then in verse 8, he explains the benefits of giving and how God's grace is, is going to be sufficient and he's going to bless you through this. And so a, a pastor that I really enjoy listening to, his name is Pastor Skip. He said it this way when dealing with this uh, analogy of sowing and reaping and farming. He said, God supplies the resource, resources from which we live and thus the resources from which we give. And when it comes to the farmer, he explains it this way. The soil that God created, the farmer uses. The seed that God provided. The animals that God afforded. And the body that God fashioned to reap the fruit. It all works beautifully together to fulfill the mission of farming. But at the same time, symbolically speaking, it's the same for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We fulfill the mission by using our resources, the means to get the job done the same way that we see the farmer. And so, remember, we're talking about the means of missions. 
and the resources necessary to make it happen. So I think it's important for us to break this passage of Scripture apart to, to have a full understanding of this. So we're going to do it this way, okay? When dealing with the means of missions and the resources needed. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture in two ways. The, far, the harvest is a reflection of the sowing, and then look at the sowing as a reflection of the heart. Those two ways. Is everybody with me? Yep. Y'all following? Cool. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He said, but this I say, he or she which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. How much your, you reap is dependent on how much you sow. That seems simple enough, right? This is the way the Bible explains it in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give it unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye've met with all, it shall be measured to you again. All right, let's be elementary here. Simply put, um, I, I told you I do not like to rake my yard. I despise raking my yard. Uh, there was a, a time where I neglected raking my yard, and I thought, what does it matter? What do, who cares? When I was growing up in Alabama, we, didn't ne we never raked the yard. Just let it be. You know, we had five acres, by the way, so I didn't want to rake the yard anyway. And this particular year, I felt really bad. It started to snow, and I'm thinking, I was kicking the snow around, and the leaves were moving, and I noticed underneath the leaves that the ground was not bright green anymore. It was brown and dirty because it was muddy. And I just allowed my grass to die. Huge section of my yard is dead because of me. And so I had this profound idea that I should rake the yard now. Rake the yard now. With the snow. I did this. I did this. I'm a moron. I raked and I was gathering snow and leaves at the same time. And then I saw what was underneath. It was mud. Everywhere it was mud. So spring comes and I have this, I have to make a decision how I'm going to fix the problem, right? I have to use these resources. It's called grass seed. And so I didn't realize how much grass seed cost. If you live in an apartment, you don't realize how much grass seed costs. Grass seed is expensive. There must be gold mixed in with this grass seed. And because it's so expensive, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get a small bag for this large yard. And I'm going to spread it out. And I'm sure it's going to take care of what I need it to take care of. And so I start spreading and I begin to realize I do not have enough seed. I did not take enough of the resources needed to spread it out, to sow it, to get the job done. Y'all follow me? Because I was cheap. I didn't want to spend the money. I didn't want to use my money to put grass in my yard. And then there's a problem, a big problem. I say big because the problem's name is Hank. He's a huge dog and he's my dog. And he loves to run in the yard. And when he's running in the yard, he gets mud all over his paws and he brings it into the house. And his dumb little friend, his little sister, you know, Daisy, she does the same thing. Big issue. Mud everywhere. And now I'm beginning to realize I'm not reaping any blessings. My yard looks patchy because I only put a little bit of seed out there. My dogs are mudding up my yard and my house. i got an issue here. You know what my issue is from? The lack of resources. I wasn't willing to give more to get more. Isn't that so simple? And I'm realizing that if I'm only going to give a little bit of handfuls out here, I'm only going to get a little bit back. How dumb would it be for a farmer to have 500 acres and he sows 100 acres and he goes out to reap the harvest and he's like, well, I just don't get this. <laughs> Honey, would you come here, please? Look out in the field. We've got an issue. 
There is only a hundred acres with crop. What happened to the other 400 acres? I'm, am I missing something here, darling? And I'm sure, like every woman, because they're smarter than men, she would probably reply with, how much did you sow? Well, I sowed 100 acres. Well, that's why I only got 100 acres. You say, well, when it comes to the church, it's a little different. No, it's not. Say, so, well, you know what we need to do? I love people that have bright ideas. We need to get out of the library and get us a building. Take on a lease. $4,000 to $6,000 a month. I think we should do that. But do you realize, just like when you tell your kid when they're 18 and they're like, I'm going to move out on my own. Do you realize that takes money? Six to eight thousand dollars, or maybe you're blessed and get a building for four thousand dollars. Where do you think the resources are going to come from? Do you sense sarcasm in my voice? That's my moment of weakness, my sarcasm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. It only happens when the body works together to say, hey, we need to take our resources and invest it back into the church to see something happen. Y'all following me? Does that make sense? I know it seems so easy, but this is the logic behind what Paul is telling the church. If you want to see some results happen in Jerusalem and them come alongside of you to fulfill the mission, you're going to have to step out by faith, make a decision to give more than just the average above and beyond, because that's when God's going to show up and that's when God's going to bless. Nothing is easy in life. You're like, oh, I don't want to agree with you on that. Well, live life a little longer and you'll figure it out. Nothing's easy in life. So it's hard to step out by faith and say, can I do this? Should I do this? Can I, can I, God, are you going to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory? Yes, he already said he would. Just do it. Step out by faith. And, and it's not just about the church. It's about the mission of the church. We're not going to be able to help Glory Reigns and the people of Romania unless we're willing to make a decision to give and give a little more and give a little more. And that's when it happens because the harvest is a reflection of the sowing. You want to have a great harvest? Then you need to give some more and do more and be a part of it more. That's is the way it works. But it doesn't just stop there. You have to understand this. How much you sow is dependent on how much faith you have. Are you willing to step out by faith and say, God's got this. I gotta believe him. He's faithful. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without possible to please him, which is God. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, then a lot of people are living a, a lifestyle that is not pleasing to God. Because they're not living by faith in any shape, form, or fashion. Now, I'm going to flip this on you in just a second, and I'll explain how. Here's the second thing. The sowing is a reflection of the heart. Look at the very next verse. We're just going verse by verse. Verse 6, now verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not, not grudgingly. Not of necessity. Not saying, well... I guess, I guess I'll give. You know, when it comes to Christmas and you have 15 grandkids and you're like, should we give them like $20 a piece? Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess we could do that. That's grudgingly. Or, or out of necessity, you're like, well, you know, Pastor Dave said we've got to do this, you know, and it's in the Bible. It's in God's word. I guess we'll have to. I feel obligated. Do you? Do you feel obligated? Because that's when you lose the joy of giving. No, this is our privilege. This is our opportunity. You see, it is amazing when you can sow and see what God is going to do. So the sowing is a reflection of the heart. Look at that. 
as you purpose in your heart. Where's your heart? What's it look like? What are you willing to do? Well, it's all determined on where your heart is. So Jesus declares that our attitude toward money is uh, indicative to the focus of our heart. That's the reality. When you look at Scripture, this is the truth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But this is what you should do. Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Now here's the profound statement that Jesus makes. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's put this in perspective, all right? If you don't believe me, let's just illustrate, shall we? I brought some goodies here, kids. We're all going to be so excited about this. So I'm going to illustrate, okay? We're putting things in perspective. We're just being realists today. I just went to Wendy's and the Dave Combo. I got a little response there. Thank you for the man in the back. Uh, Dave's Combo. Love it. You got to love it. Uh, the large Combo. You got to go large, right? The large fry. I don't eat fries. I always swap it out, but they don't have too many options. They have the baked potato, right? But usually they say, sir, uh, we don't have any baked potatoes available. And I'm like, yeah, surprising. But <laughs> I just go with what I can get. And usually it's the drink and it's my sandwich. Here's the interesting thing about Dave's Combo. Y'all ready? Dave's Combo is $9.47 if you get the large. Yeah, you say, well, I'm a man. I'm going to get that Baconator. Well, that's $14.47. Dave, what is your point? My point is simply this. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. What you're willing to invest in, if you want it, you'll do it. Y'all follow me? I mean, you're like, nobody thinks about the fact that this costs $9.47. But man, if I'm going to commit once a month to give $10 to a missionary, God help me. I'm stepping out by faith. I'm Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on that water. Now, listen, now I'm being serious here. You know, I know I'm being silly a little bit. But here, I, I just did this this week. I got the cheapest meal, the cheapest combo at Cane's. It was still $9.57. It's the, sam the sandwich combo. I love it. But I still have to go home and put my own cheese on it. Y'all follow me? You got to have cheese on a chicken sandwich. That's just the way it works. You're not American if you don't do that. And I did that. And I get home and I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't eat fries, so I got the coleslaw. I got the coleslaw. And it's like this big. It's three bites and I'm done. And I'm desiring so much more. I'm thinking, I, I should have went to KFC. Their coleslaw is from heaven. Literally, Gabriel brought it down to KFC and says, serve this to every man, woman, and child. But I didn't. I ate canes. But here's what I realized. I wanted it. So I bought it. And it cost me $9.57. Y'all follow me? Say, Dave, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I don't eat those things. My brother Denny always says, I will never step foot in a fast food restaurant. Never. I will not even pull inside their parking lot. No, never. They're, they're nasty. They're unhealthy. But my brother doesn't mind doing what a lot of people do. They, they'd rather just go over to the gas station, right? And um, what they'll do is they'll go to the gas station. And uh, let, me, let, let me show you. They go to the gas station and they get them some health food, right? They get them a Mountain Dew and they get them, this is beef. This is good for you. This is protein, people, okay? 
But this stick, this protein stick, is $3.39. She said, Dave, are you, are you preaching on inflation or Jesus? A little of both right now, okay? A little of both. $3.39. $2.59 at your local gas station. I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that's close to $6 when you combine the two. I mean, $6? We don't even think about it. No, not a big deal, right? Say, I'm not like that. I, when I go, I am more health-minded when I go, go to the gas station. Maybe you're the one that just gets you a Snickers bar because it has peanuts in it. And you get you a monster because you need your energy. The Snickers bar, $1.99. Imagine that. Back in the day, that used to be my favorite candy bar. And then I gave up sweets. And I'm like, oh, if I was to go back, that's my go-to. First thing I'm going to do is buy a box of Snickers bar, hide in, in, in my closet, and eat every single one of them until I'm disgusted with myself. Just being transparent. $3.19 for a monster drink? Seriously? And we were like, so? I need my energy. I need my energy. You say, Dave, you do your thing, right? Yeah, I do. Can I be transparent about that? Oh my goodness, let me pull this out of here. Oh, there she is. Yes, sir. Five shots of espresso right there, baby. A little watered down, the ice is melted, but uh, gets the job done. $7.55. What? Yeah, so two weeks ago, I discovered they raised the price. I said, ah, I don't think I can keep on doing this. So two weeks ago, I stopped. I made a decision. I can't do this any longer. I, I can buy literally a jug of, of coffee, cold coffee, that Starbucks from Walmart, one jug that costs, and I could get four drinks out of it for the price of one drink at Starbucks. You say, Dave, where are you going with this? $7.55. But man, every single day without thinking, key there, not thinking, I'd buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. And then I realized how much I'm paying. You know what this does for me? This helps me understand. I have some resources. I have the ability to choose to use my treasures according to the way I want. And then it hit me. Wait a second. Wow. Dave's combo. If 40 people gave up Dave's combo once a month, just once a month, we could take on both missionaries and an additional two to three more. Oh, snap. It gets better. What if we did this? For $7.55, let's drop off five cents. If 40 people once a month would give $7.50 out of their pocket, whew, whew, that's a lot, $7.50 out of their pocket once a month, we can support both missionaries $150 a month, which is substantial compared to most most churches. Most churches give $50 to $100 a month. All you'd have to give up is $7.50 to make it happen. You say, well, I can do that. No, you can do more than that, and you know you can, right? You could actually, if you wanted to, give up one of these, one of these, one of these, and one of these each month. Y'all follow me? And then, whew, we could change the world with the resources we have. That's the means of missions. You see, the reality is, sowing is a reflection of the heart. Where's your heart? It's, well, I just don't know, Dave. Yeah, you don't know because you haven't tried. You haven't tried. I said this once, I said it again, because I'll never forget that time we had an opportunity, me and my brother Tony, me and my brother Denny, to go to this nasty little gas station and mow the lawn, and then they say, pick up all the trash. My dad said, pick it all up. Well, redneck gas stations have a lot of cigarette buds. 
And we had to pick every one of them up. And then when we were done, my dad gave me a $10 bill. So I thought, no, he gave me $9. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to keep a dollar. And here's the thing, Dave. God will bless you if you're willing to give back. Take that dollar, give it to the church, and see what God does. I'm like, yeah. Yeah? Is he going to provide a special vacuum cleaner to get all these cigarette butts up for free? I don't know. But I was a little frustrated, but I did realize this. Here's the reality. The more I gave, the more I got. You say, well, it's not about that. Well, it's part of it. You know, that's a beautiful blessing. You say, it's not a part of it. It is part of it. See, God blesses you and gives back. The more you give, the more you get. My daughter told me, she said, Dad, she's not in here, so I don't think she'll mind me saying this. She said, Dad, I, I tithed. I gave 20 bucks. And then I was hanging out with a friend, and a lady said, hey, I want to give you 20 bucks for gas. And here's an additional 80. So when you guys are out, you don't have to worry about gas for a couple of weeks. She said, is that cool what God did? I didn't have to tell her. She was practicing it already. Here's what I want you to understand. It's amazing when you look at the big picture. If 40 people from Thrive Church gave 3 to 5% of their income, which is less than a tithe, by the way, tithe is 10%, less than a tithe, we would not need one church from the outside to support us. We would be able to bring in almost $150,000 a year to sustain our church, to lease a building, to pay for insurance, and maximize every one of our outreaches outside of missions. Do you see the bigger picture now? That's what it is to sow and to reap. And in the end, the reality is simply this, the last verse, and God is able to make all grace abundant toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. In other words, Paul says to the church, watch this, God is going to bless you abundantly. And he's not just going to bless you abundantly, he's going to supply all your needs sufficiently because you are willing to get back to the church of Jerusalem because they are in need. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. What are you willing to give up once a week, once a month, to fulfill the mission. Now, I'm going to say this. We never give to missions unless we step out by faith and start giving to the church first. This is so sensitive for some. You don't like talking about money. But we have to because it's a part of the church. And Paul spoke to the church of Corinth directly on this. Now, watch. The reason why this is important is because the church is the one supporting the mission. If the church doesn't exist, then the mission doesn't exist. So the church starts first. And then we step out by faith and go above the tithe to give the missions. I was a youth pastor. I mentioned this ah, six months, I don't know, ago. And, um, and me and my wife felt like trash because we were only giving $5 a month to missions. But I was giving the missions the best I could at that time. Because we were on wick and we were just barely making it and we were struggling in so many ways. But I said, you know what? We are going to continue to give a tenth of what we have back to God. That's tithing. And then I'm going to go above that and this is what we're going to do. And I saw God do things that blew my mind. I can't even explain it to you today what God would do for me. I mean, amazing. 
We'd be praying about getting a vacuum cleaner. And somebody said, I heard you need a vacuum cleaner. I bought you a vacuum cleaner. The best of the best. People would just do things because that's the way God works. And let me remind you, tithing is not in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. But we will reflect on the Old Testament to have principles to, to abide by in the New Testament. It's a great bumper for life because we are people. And if we don't have some kind of guidelines, we just do the minimal. Y'all follow me? It's like my daughter says, you want me to clean the house? Yes. And I come home and there's two things done. I'm like, that's not cleaning the house. She said, then I need a list because the list is my guidelines by which I can develop a, 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 a process to clean the house. And I love that we can reflect on the Old Testament to know how to act in the New Testament so we have better guidelines in which to, to, which to operate. Y'all following me? The key is this. One word. Give. Give. Time, talent, treasures. And if we're willing to do that, I promise you, you're going to be blown away by what God will do.